Just know you're not alone. Cause I'm gonna make this place your home. News Radio 840 WHAS. Good Sunday morning. Bob Sekolder, the Louisville Real Estate Show here with you to the top of the hour. And we are joined by Chuck Crosby, the Crosby Law Offices, 499-6360. Also, in for Brad Lawler, who's uh, busy on assignment right now, is Neil Allen. And Neil is the Director of Operations, and he's a Master Inspector, so we are in good hands. Good to see both you, Chuck, and you, Brad, uh, Neil. Good to have you here. Good morning. Good morning. All right. And um, you can reach me anytime, because we're constantly pounding the beat, looking for homes to list and sell, and we're doing a lot of it, at 376-5483. And uh, my thanks to uh, some of the agents who have – sometimes you hit a wall when you're trying to market a home. We've got a couple of steps um, above and beyond for marketing with social media, and also uh, we've got a couple agents, a number of agents now, who are coming to us asking them to um, to work with them to get the homes listed and sold. And uh, just know uh, – to all of my fellow agents, if you need anything, advice, help, uh, I am here for you 24-7. And you and our people who are out there who want to sell their home can reach me or buying 376-5483. That's 376-5483. And coming up a little bit later in the show, bad habits that could burn down your house. That uh, is a serious problem. We'll talk about that first. Let us go to our first question. And again, we're doing these COVID shows. Basically what it means is that send me an email, bob at com. put in the subject line, radio question, and the, then in the actual body of the email, the question itself, and then we will um, talk about it on the air during the COVID show. And, of course, if you want to see a playback of the show you're listening to, you can see it on video by going to louisvilleanswers.com. That's louisvilleanswers.com. Okay. Steve writes in, Chuck, this is for you. He's buying a home and he's going to live in it for several weeks before closing. So this is a pre-occupancy is what we call. Right. And the owner has insurance on the house. But Steve is wondering, because he was told he needs to get additional insurance, does he really need to buy insurance? And again, I know you and I are not insurance agents and neither neither is Neil. But is is, is there something to that? What I see frequently is when agents or people put together their own pre-closing possession agreements, they say, oh, you're going to go and you're going to get a policy of insurance to cover the house, et cetera, et cetera. There's no agent, no insurance agent's going to sell that policy. What they will do, though, mm-hmm. is they'll sell like a renter's policy because that's technically what you are. You're a, you're a tenant. Uh, so just get that, uh, get the tenant's policy and, and go with that. Um, but does he have to do that? Well, if the agreement says you're supposed to get insurance, I would do it. Otherwise, you're in default on the agreement. But it, it would be, I would suggest, and we would suggest any of our buyers who are buying a home and having pre-occupancy to get renters, a renter's policy that could exactly. convert over to a, yeah. um, a, a, a homeowner policy, just call your insurance agent, that covers your, your contents. Your stuff, right, uh, right. Stuff the, uh, yeah. Yeah, the, the thing that I, when I see that frequently, you, know, you have to ask the parties, are, are, do you mean you want him to carry the full you know, policy on the house? And then you have to set them straight because frequently they do think that. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, that's just not something that's possible to be purchased. Got it. Yeah, renter's policy should be pretty um, standard. If you are doing that and you can't find somebody to help you, give me a call, uh, 376-5483. And um, I've got friends in the, in the insurance business who can help you. 
All right. So, Neil, let's move on. Denise says she's buying a home that was made with stucco. And in, here in the Louisville area, that's rarity, but it happens. And her inspector just said that uh, the, the something the screen is buried. Something about a screen is buried in the, I can't make out the word, buried in the uh, ground. He says the home okay. has problems and needs, she needs to pull out of the deal. Is that really a serious problem? Um, it's, I think it's a wheat screen. I'm not sure, but do you know right. what it's, I'm talking about on this? So, yeah, it sounds like she's talking about what's called a wheat screen that's underneath, that's at the base of any kind of eaves, that external insulated finishing system. Yeah. And I'm assuming that's what she's talking about. If she's talking about a hard coat stucco, that's a completely different animal. Um, but that wheat screen at the base of that uh, exterior insulated finishing system allows any kind of moisture that maybe get that gets behind that to weep out so it's not stagnant back there and causing damage. So the potential for damage, if it's not installed correctly, is a much, much higher because water can get trapped back there. So it is kind of a big deal. If it's buried, it needs to be unburied, and you may need to do an invasive test to check and see if there is any kind of damage or moisture, high moisture levels behind that, that insulated finish. Yeah, this is an extra level of problems when you purchase stucco. It's a good, great look. Not as uh, prevalent here in the Louisville area, certainly in Atlanta. It's all over in, southern, in uh, Florida, it is as well. Uh, and by invasive test, you're talking about removing part of the stucco or doing a moisture test? Just doing a moisture test. Uh, we can actually drill through small areas where there looks like there may be damage or there looks like there may be moisture damage behind it. Mm -hmm. We can do moisture tests behind that stuff to see if you need to remove any more than just that small hole. Got it. And if you're thinking about buying a stucco home, just know it's just an extra level of concern that you got to go through, and there are ways to get tests for it. And certainly with what's going on in our country right now with home sales, they're jumping through the roof. The, um, there is a limit. Things have kind of leveled off. Home sales, in fact, fell 1.2% from May to June. That's the largest drop at this time of year on record since 2012. The national median home sale price hit a record high of $386,888. That's up 25% over a year ago. And they're claiming all the, this is because of lack of inventory. So if you're thinking about selling, we should tell you, you can go to louisvillehousedoctors.com, fill out the form. Yes, I make house calls. But more importantly, now maybe even the perfect time to start thinking if maybe next year is the time that you want to sell. Don't put it off too long so you can start working towards getting the house in show-ready condition. All right, to Chuck, Jeff hired a contractor, gave him 10000 bucks of the 20000 he was quoted to fix up, fix up his home because he was going to sell it in June, this past June. Unfortunately, the contractor never showed up for work. Now it's yeah. been two, two or so months, no word, no sign of him. What's his next step? Uh, maybe calling the cops. Um, yeah. Cops will generally say immediately, oh, that's a civil issue. He reneged on a contract. You gave him a down payment. But if he never showed up, he just took the money and disappeared. Mm -hmm. uh, that seems more like a, a theft. Uh, and I think the, the cops would begin to uh, investigate that, at least to the point that they become satisfied that it's uh, not uh, or that it is a civil issue as opposed to a criminal one. But I'll tell you what, if they just take the money and then they disappear. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. It's, that's the route I would go with that. Now, if so, it's a local guy that you yeah. know, 
mm-hmm. that has assets and they just refuse to do it, well, then get an attorney and go after them because uh, that's you know clearly wrong. If you can find them. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the whole yeah. thing. That's why it might be a, a criminal issue, because uh, there have been bands of roving people who come into subdivisions and say, hey, we're going to fix up your driveway. And, you know, they they do that and then they just disappear. So a couple of things that we should point out, and these may come to you, Chuck and Neil, off the top of your mind here. But um, to help people prevent this from happening as it happened to Jeff. So the first thing is do some research, better business, yeah. see what their track record is, right? Yeah. Talk to Absolutely. prior customers. Talk Don't to give customers. them yeah. half of the money in one lump sum unless you, you know, know who they are. And I think you're right on target when you say talk to previous customers. Probably more importantly, if you're going to have work done, you may want to talk to people who have had work done, friends, family, uh, friends of friends and see who they recommend. If they've had work done, who would they recommend? But certainly you want to get past clients and not necessarily past clients in the past year, maybe go back three, four, five years to get a track record of some history because in the past year, things have been strange anyway for a lot of people with COVID hanging on there. So yeah, that's a, that's a great idea. Looking back a little further than a year. Yeah. And one thing that, uh, that uh, can also be done is if you go down to the hall of justice, uh, they have public terminals uh, to see, Who's been sued? Uh, see hmm. if their name pops up on that. You know, do a little background check of some sort. That's a great idea. I mean, from a, a legal perspective or from where I'm sitting, I have no clue what, how to even work that. Is it easy to, to, oh, yeah. to go down and there? Yeah. The, the clerks will show you how to do it. And they don't charge you for money for looking this up? No. Okay. That's a good idea. And it really yeah. is. If you'd like to uh, sign up for our newsletter, folks, you can go to SokolerTeam.com, S-O-K-O-L-E-R, team, all one word, dot com. We have a new newsletter that's going out. You want to see what people are writing about us, go to LouisvilleZillow.com. You want to see what they're saying about us, go to LouisvilleSellersTalk.com. All right, Neil, we're going for a question for you to see how you can handle this. Okay. And Jacob is buying a house built in the 1970s. And he was told by his inspector that the house has aluminum wiring and that the wire needs to be replaced. The buyer agent says, or I guess that's the seller's agent says that the wire is safe. The seller agent and the buyer agents he's writing say the wire is safe, but the buyer is the seller won't replace it. And the buyer is not so sure who is right. Aluminum wiring, I guess it was prevalent in the 1970s, correct? It was actually prevalent in uh, late 60s, early 1970s. And we're talking about the single strand aluminum wiring. We're not talking about the braided aluminum wiring, which they use in new construction today. Mm -hmm. So um, the problem with that wire was when they started using it, they didn't really upgrade switches and outlets inside the home. Aluminum and copper expand and contract differently under heat which you're going to get when you put an electric current across that stuff. Mm -hmm. And what was happening was you were getting loose connections at switches and outlets inside the wall, which was creating a fire hazard. So modern outlets are capable, most modern outlets, you can buy them that are rated for copper and aluminum. Um, It's going to fix that problem, or you can have the Alumicon connectors inside the wall, which basically converts it to a copper connection at the outlet or the switch. So it's rare that and maybe never that you really need to replace the wire unless there's a significant problem with the wire that goes beyond 
just what it's made out of, the aluminum. Uh, I don't know that I've ever heard an electrician say that, hey, you need to rewire the home because it's got aluminum wire in it, but you need to make sure all the outlets and switches are fixed. And it's not my job as an inspector. I would never ever say that the wire needs to be replaced mm-hmm. because gotcha. it be just because what it's made out of. But you know, not all inspectors are created equal. Uh, there are some who are going to blow this out of proportion. Oh, absolutely. We, we would hope the majority of inspectors would basically say, okay, um, here's, here are the options. And one of the options would be, I would suspect you'll agree with this, Neil, is to bring in an electrician and have them go through the house and verify that it's in good working order that, or if there are needs, it's a purple connector that you were referring to, right? Exactly. Uh, that yeah. aluminum connector, that purple connector. Yeah. And, and that is exactly what we recommend when we're talking to clients, what we put in our report is, Hey, you really should have this checked out by a licensed electrician going a little bit beyond that. If your insurance company, your homeowner's insurance is aware of the fact that you have single strand aluminum wiring in the home, they may require a certification signed by a licensed electrician that says, hey, all the outlets and connectors inside here have been upgraded. They're all fine. Got it. All right. We are going to take a break. And when we come back, some bad habits that could burn your house down. Also, more questions. We've got a lot of them coming in. You can send that to Bob at com. Radio question in the subject and the actual question in the body of the email. If you want to see the videos that we produce for our sellers and buyers, head to Louisville Homes TV. Dot com. If you want a replay of this show, LouisvilleAnswers.com will help you. Uh, here with us, Neil Allen, who's the Director of Operations and Master Inspector of Home Team Inspection Service in for Brad today. And you can reach Home Team at 844-411-TEAM. Also, Chuck Crosby, the Crosby Law Offices. And you can reach Chuck at 499-6360. And you can reach me, Bob Sikola, anytime on my cell phone, 376 376- Five four eight three. We're back in a moment on News Radio eight forty WHAS. I'm Chuck Crosby, a real estate attorney here in Louisville with Crosby Law Offices. I've been practicing real estate law, fixing problems, and helping people for over twenty two years. So if you're a buyer looking for advice, information, or professional closing services, call me. If you're a property owner, real estate professional, you have a problem, you just can't fix it, call me. If you're a landlord and you're having problems with your tenants, call me. Again, I'm Chuck Crosby with Crosby Law Offices. You can reach me at 499-6360. This has been a paid advertisement. Hi, I'm Brad Lawler with Home Team Inspection Service, Kentuckiana's largest inspection company and the number one home team inspection service in the nation. Our unique team approach makes us fast. Multiple inspectors means efficiency. Our teams of dedicated professionals, including many veterans, are trusted. We perform thousands of home inspections in Louisville and Southern Indiana each year. We're accurate. The team approach means multiple sets of eyes and overlapping duties. Fast, trusted, accurate. That's your home team advantage. In the real estate market, sellers and buyers have great expectations. And as a real estate agent, you take pride in fulfilling them. But some things are beyond your control. So what can you do? Choose Home Warranty of America's 13-month plans. HWA plans cover the home buyer against any breakdowns or repairs, keeping you and your clients safe from any covered claims. We offer comprehensive plans with competitive pricing, and our dedicated team will work with you every step of the way. To learn more, contact HWA today. 
Hi, I'm Barbara Corcoran. I'm constantly asked by news sources how to best navigate today's real estate market. I call the brightest agents in the business to get their input. Hi, Bob. What's going on in Louisville? Hi, Barbara. The Louisville real estate market is hotter than we've ever seen it. I'm so happy to hear that. With our exclusive marketing plan, we can get sellers top dollar right now. Get the best advice from my friend, Bob Sekoler. Go to WeSellLouisville.com. Be safe and smart. News Radio 840 WHAS, and we are continuing with our Louisville Real Estate Show to the top of the hour. Thank you, Barbara Corcoran. You do a great job on Shark Tank, and uh, we thank her for her friendship. Here with us, Chuck Crosby, the Crosby Law Offices, 499-6360. Neil Allen, Director of Operations and a Master Inspector himself over at Home Team Inspection Service in for Brad Lawler. You can reach Neil at 844-411-TEAM. And me, Bob Sekolder, my son Greg's off today as well. And uh, you can reach me anytime, 376-5483. All right, so guys, some bad habits that could burn your house down. So misusing electric blankets. I think that's pretty, a lot of these are self-explanatory, but certainly, uh, Neil, if you have something to jump in on, since you're an inspector, you see this stuff all the time. Also, neglecting appliance recalls is a big problem. Neil, explain the dangers of dryer lint remaining in a dryer, because I also am worried about going back and cleaning those out. Absolutely. That is, uh, that is something that you definitely want to clean it on a regular basis. So dryer lint, is actually very flammable. And when you combine that lint with excess heat from whether it's coming from the dryer or some other source, um, you have a very high potential for a, a fire. So it, yep. just to give you an example, if, you're, if your dryer is not venting to the exterior like it should, if it's you don't realize that uh, you've for the past five years, you've been dumping dryer lint into the crawl space, and suddenly you have some kind of electrical spark in your crawl space, there's a, an awful lot of stuff that's going to ignite, ignite very, very quickly right there. And it can happen inside the, the dryer vent as well. Got it. Got it. Chuck, question on this next item here. Do you have a laptop? I do. Do you, do you keep it safe? And by that, I mean somewhere where it gets ventilation when you're using it. Yeah, you, you, I can see your face. So I'm not sure what you mean by that. When there I you go. It, it's yeah. on the kitchen table. All right. If you own a laptop, you know how hot it can get. Have you ever touched yeah. the bottom of it? Right. Yeah. So when you leave your computer on your bed, your couch, your rug, or other soft flammable surface, you run the risk of restricting airflow even more through the cooling vents, which could cause the laptop to overheat and possibly mm. catch fire. So consider that next time. Um, you're using your laptop and maybe not on your kitchen table, which is probably the best place to do it, or your your office desk. Right. Absolutely. Uh, if if it's yeah. malfunctioning as well, I, yeah. I almost had a situation with my laptop, closed it up, it should go to sleep, stuck it in my bag, and pulled it out about two hours later, and things were extremely hot because it didn't shut down. Oh, that is that is a problem. Oh. I've seen that before. Wow. What that's, This is a question I've got. That, Neil, so this next item, they talk about using – um, a 60-watt light bulb in a 40-watt socket. But a lot of us are now moving to LEDs. So right. if, if it's a 7-watt or a drawer draws 10 watts, if the socket's rated for 40 watts, there's no danger of over p using power from that socket. Am I right? No, yeah, you're right about that. So there should be an equivalent you know, lumens that the bulb is outputting, but it should also yeah. tell you what the bulb is drawing. If it's an LED or one of the compact fluorescents that's using a lot less wattage draw on that outlet, you just you don't want to draw more than the outlet is or than the 
than the receptacle is capable of. So mm-hmm. that 40 watts, 60 watts, whatever that is. Got it. So that's a good thing that we're going to LEDs. That is a big plus for us. Something simple that we all should be mindful of, and I'm, I should as well, using too many extension cords or performing DIY projects you're not qualified to do. This one kind of hit me. Uh, disregarding dust, believe it or not, buildup of dust can be a fire hazard, and especially around electrical sockets, floor heaters, electronics. We should be vacuuming, vacuuming those on a regular basis. Storing batteries improperly, like nine volts in a junk drawer, which could catch fire if something metal goes across the top. Ignoring um, other uninvited guests uh, that are gnawing on electrical wires that could uh, short out. As we go into the colder months, forgetting to get a chimney sweep to look at uh, your chimney to make sure it's in good working order, overlooking the range hood. Do we all clean those range hoods where the grease is to make sure that that's out so it don't catch, they don't catch fire in the event of a little kitchen fire on the pan? Arranging the furniture unwisely can be a big problem. Let's say a sofa is near a heat source that could catch fire. Leaving candles unattended. I know people who do that. Smoking indoors, and really it's um, smoking indoors actually sparked approximately 17,200 home fires in 2014 alone. Uh, And then stepping away from the stove and ignoring loose-fitting plugs, not giving space heaters their space, leaving traces in a toaster, which I think I'm responsible for as well. Getting rid of those crumbs are big. I think all of us are. Yeah, I think we have to look at those as well. So anyway, those are some of the things that we can use and think about for preventing some fires in our homes. All right, so back to our our emails. Chuck, this is for you. Steve just went to sell his house, told by the attorney that the home has some title issues, including inadequate legal descriptions that were filed when Steve bought the house. How did that happen and what can be done to remedy that? Well, a lot of different ways that can happen. Um, and it, and how you handle it can, uh, you know, be, de- it is determined by how long it's been. Mm-hmm. Okay. If we're talking something back in the forties, uh, and I've seen that generally you can just, you know, do some quick claims back and forth and everything's cool. Um, if we're talking about somebody forgot to put uh, a couple lines of a legal description in the, well, that's when you need to go back and do a deed of correction. Uh, and I do a lot of what I do here in the office uh, and stuff that uh, from a prior show uh, that we do on behalf, or at least uh, for the benefit of the seller, mm-hmm. uh, is track those people down, uh, deep, uh, track them down 15, 20 years ago, say, hey, got this problem, need to get it fixed. Uh, I can't say as I've ever had anybody say, no, I don't want to help you. Okay, now... Yeah, Go I was going to say, you've been very helpful in the past for us and other agents in the city who have needed those services of tracking down. Keep going. I didn't want yeah. to interrupt you. Yeah, right you there. just track them down and you say, yeah. hey, you know, when you conveyed this property, there was a mistake on the deed. We need to get it corrected. Um, generally, if they're in the same locale, then I'll swing by, get a, get a signature. Uh, if they're out of this jurisdiction, you can email it to them, get them to sign it, notarize it, get it back. That's that's the easy way to handle it. If if uh, you did run into somebody, though, that said, no, I'm not doing anything, well, that's when we go to the time issue. If they've openly, continuously, exclusively, adversely, notoriously possessed the property for over 15 years, well, worst possible scenario is you go and you get your uh, quiet title action done uh, and everything's all put to rights. Uh, it's not like you can just make property disappear. There's always going to be an owner of the property. If you were paid full value and it's just you know, typographical errors, it's easy enough to fix. 
You know, it just is amazing how it rolls off your tongue every time I hear yeah. you use those big words. It's very nice. All right, Neil, Kaylin selling her home. Inspector just wrote up a report says she has inadequate ventilation in the main bathroom of her home. The home was apparently built in the 1950s, has a window in the bathroom. And I guess she opens the window when she takes a shower or bath and that vents it. But the buyer wants her to put a ventilation fan in. Does she have to do that? There's been no update, she says, to her bathroom since it was built. So when, when we are inspecting a property, we're inspecting it based on the conditions that, that the home was built at the time. And mm-hmm. at that time the home was built, there was no requirement to have a powered fan to mm-hmm. take that steam outside. An operational window is perfectly fine. Now, is everybody going to use that? Probably not. They're not, they don't want to open a window when it's two degrees outside, but an operational window is what the inspector should be looking for. And you know, getting between the what the buyer's requesting and what the seller is willing to do is really not what the inspector should be doing. You know, we'll point out that, hey, it's probably a great upgrade, but I can't see on a house that age, I can't see any reason that anybody would require that unless that window was just not functional. Yeah, I think, and Kaylin, here's how I would handle it. If I was your agent, I'm not telling you to do this. I'm not telling your agent to do this, but for this type of scenario, which we've dealt with before, is I would tell our sellers that basically we counter back and say that's an upgrade and we're willing to do that, but at the buyer's cost of putting in a fan because it is an upgrade and that's key to the whole issue. If it's, right. if the, if the, and correct me if I'm wrong, Chuck, you may jump in on this as well. Mm-hmm. If the bathroom had been renovated in the past couple of years, could that, because I believe it could be subject to increasing the ventilation because of the new most recent ordinances that are out there. This one's kind of a tricky one. I'm not so sure that there's an ordinance that says that. But yeah. It might be, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. And okay. yeah, I don't know that I can weigh in on that one. Yeah. I don't know if I can right. officially either, but it would right. be something yeah, to ex- explore. Yeah. Yeah. That, Different jurisdictions have different ordinances that they require on that stuff. And if the renovations had been made, that's something where whoever did the renovations should know from pulling the permits. And uh, it's something easy enough to check with the local building yeah. authority. That's but you assume point. they pull permits. Uh-huh. <laughs> of course. Yep. Of course. So, all right, uh, Chuck, this is a good one, especially for this time in our life and what's going on here. Leo had a home inspection on a home that he's selling and agreed to make five repairs requested by the buyer. But now Leo is thinking, and he signed off on this. Leo is thinking that as hot as the market is, he won't make those repairs and hopes the deal falls apart. So another buyer can come in and buy the home at a higher price. So what legal action Leo is wondering, does he face if he doesn't make the repairs before closing? Well, you know, the contract says he doesn't have to agree to make the repairs. If he ma- if he agreed to make the repairs, mm-hmm. if he signed off and said, I agree to make these repairs. And he which doesn't. he did, which he did. OK, yeah. Well, and so a you've got acting in bad faith. Uh, that is to say he's pulling the plug or he's doing something to make sure it doesn't close. So that is kind of a uh, an added uh, uh, Philip to this. So. Uh, he doesn't agree, can't close. He killed the deal. Buyer gets their deposit back, but I I wouldn't take it uh, and remove a claim because he killed the deal. Uh, It's going to be the same as him saying, no, I'm just not going to sign. He walked away from it. So can the buyer go after him for damages? Absolutely. Yeah. The question is what are damages going to be? 
Yeah. Um, the uh, he's got to find a house similar type uh, arm's length transaction. Uh, difference between the two sales prices are going to be the damage. Uh, go after him for that. I'm betting there's some realtors that would be interested in going after him for commission. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know that kind of thing. Uh, whether he could get his inspections back if he's acting in bad faith, that's how it makes this a little bit worse. Uh, might be able to go for that too. Yeah, I think. Leo's presuming that he'll get another buyer at a better price and that that yeah. buyer will yeah, not ask for those repairs in, as well. And they're yeah. going to ask for those repairs too. Yeah. Same uh, problem. Yeah. 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 But if you, if you, even if, you know, it's kind of like a, kind of like the scenario. Yeah. I'm not threatening you at all. I, I would never threaten you, Bob, but it, it would be a horrible thing if anything happened to those fine dogs of yours. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, just because I don't say it exactly the same way. Again, in Kentucky, if it looks like a duck, it waddles like a duck and it quacks like a duck. It's a duck. It's, it's a duck. And on those words, we are out of time. My thanks to Chuck Crosby, who will cook a duck and ah. Ah, does a good job oh. at cooking a duck. Yeah. Um, and is no duck, though, himself. You can reach Chuck at the Crosby Law Offices at 499-6360. Also, Neil Allen, who is Director of Operations and Master Inspector over at Home Team Inspection Service, who is filling in for a busy Brad Lawler this morning. And you did a great job, Neil. I'll tell Brad that as well. You should be very Thanks, proud of yourself. Yep. Thank you, Chuck, for being here. My son, Greg, out of town. And you can reach me, Bob Sekoler, anytime day or night we'd love to talk to you and help you at least get prepared to sell your home this year next year or years down the road you can reach me at 502-376-5483 we're out of time see you next sunday on news radio 840 whas